Would you open your Bibles, please, to John chapter 15? Last week, we had a chance to uh, watch a video uh, that had a handful of families on it. Families that were trying to convey what it means to have someone help you purchase a home. A home that they could never own on their own. And as many of you might remember, the tears that were shown there were the primary means of communication in that video. In a few words that were spoken in that short clip, though, we heard of a Christian-based organization many of you are very familiar with, Habitat for Humanity. A group of Christians, an organization based in Christianity that helps families afford a home, get into a home that they couldn't do any other way. Well, I promised you last week that I would have more on it this week about how we could be a part of that ministry that's not just going on around the globe, it's going on right here in Kerrville, Texas, and some of you didn't know that. Well, I'd like to do so with the help of a great friend of mine, a friend of the Kerrville Church of Christ as well. His name is David Danielson. I want to invite you to watch the screen and listen as well. A few years ago, we partnered together to host the gathering at Antler Stadium. The morning started with community service projects all over the area, and then we had an open-air worship time at Antler Stadium that over 3,000 people attended. What we had in our hearts to do that day was to serve and to celebrate in the name of Jesus. We preached the unity of the body of Christ in our community, and we put it on display by being the hands and the feet of Jesus together. And it was an amazing event. And here we are three years later, and I hear we're about to be dance partners again. As a matter of fact, our hope is to inspire and bring other congregations of Christ in our community to the dance floor with us. And to that end, I am pleased to announce that Impact and the Kerrville Church of Christ together are about to build house number 112 to the music of Habitat for Humanity. What a joy to become part of a growing footprint of the Habitat community here in Kerrville. For over 20 years, this Christ Center organization has made homeownership possible for a group of people, 100 families as a matter of fact, who would never have had that opportunity any other way. Habitat's expertise, their compassion, uh, their vetting process, their educational and financial training for future homeowners has proven itself to be a sustainable success. So, sensing the leading of the Spirit, both of our churches have committed to contribute $50,000 toward uh, the building of this home, as well as to raise up some volunteers to do the actual work. Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your Father who's in heaven. And that when we do this for even the least of these, we're actually doing it for him. Our congregations hear those words both as a challenge and as a calling, not just for us to live it on our own, but also to do it together to be the living, active answer to the Lord's Prayer in John chapter 17, that we be one, just as the Father and the Spirit and the Son are one, that the world might believe that God actually sent His Son, and it matters. From the first day I met Jimmy, we had an instant connection. We have similar personalities, we both love the Lord, we both love golf, and we shared a common call in the Spirit to be part of building God's kingdom. Of course, most people would not naturally put together a charismatic pastor and church Christ pastor, but God. But God is right. Neither of us is going to settle for just talking about unity. We both want to experience it ourselves and pass it on as a legacy to our children. We both have a passion to see the Lord's body celebrate what we share in common far and above over what we've debated about in the past. To that end, 
We both pray blessings over other congregations in our community at both of our services each Sunday. I'm excited about having the opportunity for our churches to work and serve together again. I think God's smile is all over this Habitat project, and I believe Impact and KCC will both benefit far beyond what we can think or hope or imagine as Habitat House number 112 becomes a home. Man, I couldn't agree more. So, what do you say? Let's dance. That's a lot harder than it looks, I promise you. Gave me a great deal of respect for those who do that every night on the nightly news or do some acting in front of a camera. It's just, that's just nuts. I don't know if you two-step. I don't know if you waltz. I don't know if you macarena. I don't know if you cupid shuffle. But there's a dance that you're being invited to be a part of. And we're doing that along with the Impact Church, and that is to bring the idea and the dream of homeownership to a family literally who never, ever could make that possible on their own. And with all we've got going on today, I can't say much more about that, but please, I'm asking you, be here next week. We have a vision that we want to roll out for you as a church family that has this as a part of it, no doubt, but also has some other areas of ministry that we feel like as an as an eldership, as a leadership that God is calling it to, calling us to. We're calling it our 2020 vision. I don't say this often, but I am going to repeat this again. If you've got some plans that are optional, you weren't going to be here next week, please be here. Uh, as we roll this out to our family, as we together as a family hear it, hopefully receive it, and then in a couple of weeks commit to that. We're going to be looking back next week over 2018 where God's led us. Uh, but we're also going to spend some time looking ahead to where God's leading us, both in 2019 and in 2020. Every bit of what I want to share has been a direct result of a dance we all are invited to every single day. And that's the dance of prayer. And we're going to talk about that extensively this morning. But before we do, I'm going to ask you to please engage in some of that with me. Let's bow. Thanks for asking us. Thanks for inviting us to this dance, God. Thank you for welcoming us to come to you and to pray. It still astonishes me sometimes, God, that you would even care to hear from us. You're so big. You're so powerful. You could do anything you want to do. And yet you have decided to partner with us in bringing to the world the good news about your son. That just stuns me. And I thank you, Father, for allowing me to be a part of this family, to do this together with the Kerrville Church of Christ. I thank you, Father, for uh, the opportunity that you have opened for us in several different ways to, to come alongside other faith families, other churches, other bodies of believers just like us in this community. And one we want to lift up this morning is Christ Church. They're walking through a difficult time. John Standish, their pastor, has lost their, his dad and in a very, very unexpected way. And so we lift up them today as they gather after having been a part of his funeral this last week. God, please bless them. Help them celebrate again as they did a couple of days ago. The fact that we do not have to be um, 
in, the tra in a tragic state of sadness, in a tragic state of hopelessness because anyone in our family dies. You've given us hope because of the resurrection of your son Jesus. And so we pray as they break the bread this morning and as they hear your word preached that you would uh, be a part of their services. Again, continuing to unite us together uh, as one community of believers uh, that are learning to dance together. In Christ's name we pray and everyone said, Amen. It is a, a privilege to have spent the last couple of months since um, Martha Foy paid off our building and gave us an opportunity to gather and pray and dream, uh, to ask you to speak into those um, ideas about what our future might be. And again, we're going to talk a lot about that more next week. But it's also been fun to just get together as that was beginning and launching and hearing the heart of our shepherds about uh, the oneness of the body of Christ again in Kerrville, but also about this one mission that he's given us. And that is to go in the world and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and realizing um, we can't do that alone. There's no way in the world that we could do that. We need three things um, to continue this effort that we know as Kerrville Church of Christ. We need, to, first of all, a great Savior. <laughs> we wouldn't be here at all. We wouldn't be singing these songs. We wouldn't be breaking this bread. Philip wouldn't lead us in those communion thoughts. We wouldn't have young men uh, praying here. We wouldn't even have babies that we're blessing. But we have a Savior who said, I'm getting involved. And came down here and offered the only thing that he could offer we couldn't. And that was a sinless sacrifice on the cross. God raised him up from the dead. And then he set us loose with a mission by the power of the Holy Spirit. Offering us to not have to do this alone. But to do it with him. He's given us a great Savior. He's given us a great mission, and he's also given us great, I don't have to say it any other way, a great conduit, a great opportunity to join him in that, and he's done it through the simplest acts of just saying, God help. God help. Through prayer. We're going to talk about prayer a little bit more. We talked about last week, we looked at Gideon. And how Joshua and the nation of Israel had a chance to see God's outrageous acts. But it was based on their courageous prayers. And I wanted to remind us again this morning about how that's going to play into this 2020 vision that God's launching in our midst. I want you to hear this morning from some folks I know you respect as teachers. First is Max Lucado. He says about prayer, our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. I love T.D. Jakes. His is a little bit more personal. He says, she, my mother, became a warrior far superior than any epic hero. She became a giant on her knees with a sword in one hand and battled the enemies of death and disease. And with the other, stretched that hand out towards the heavens, beseeching God's help and his mercy. Every home needs a mom like that. And then Beth Moore. There are parts of our calling, works of the Holy Spirit, and defeats of darkness that will come no other way than through furious, fervent, faith-filled, unceasing prayer. Amen? Powerful words. 
Now, those are some great teachers with some great words that I know instruct us and encourage us. But there are none more significant than the one who created us. Listen to what he had to say in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 12. I'm inviting you to call upon me and pray to me. I promise you I'll hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. He says in 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14, If my people, my family, my church, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. And then I'm going to end with 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. I write this to every single one of you who believe in the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. And we can be confident that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will. And if we know he's listening when we make our request, we can be sure he will give us what we ask for. Wow. What a blank check. Now, you no doubt have heard every one of those scriptures I've just read because there's over 250 others in scripture that talk to us about God wanting to hear from us. But can you say like me that when it comes to prayer, all right, I'll confess, I'm a prayer wimp. I am not a prayer wonder. I'm not. If you're going to put me on a scale between the, the prayer cowardly and the prayer courageous, I would probably lean more toward the cowardly. I just do. Let me give an example. We were putting the final touches on this vision 2020. Again, the culmination of four or five months of talking to God, listening to God with elders, staff, even deacons. And I asked Gail to look it over. And she handed it back to me and she said, there's one glaring thing missing. I said, what is that? She said, a specific vision for prayer. And I told her, you're right. Which reveals a glaring growth area for myself and for our leadership because no one else noticed it. How did we miss that? Because we need to grow in that area. And that's okay. <laughs> I think all of us in this room would say, I need to grow in that area. Or most of us in this room. Well, it has a place in the vision now and where it should be all along in the very first part of that vision, which is, as you'll see next week, be about becoming, about growing, about maturing, about reaching to places that we're not yet at. Not just saying, yeah, we want to grow, but laying out an intentional strategy, continuing a an intentional strategy to see that we do grow specifically in the area of prayer. Now, I know some of you don't feel like you're prayer wimps, and you're not. You've developed a habit of prayer. You've developed a heart of prayer. You even have a language of prayer. Some of you would rather pray than sleep. You are the Navy SEALs, I'm telling you, of prayer. You're a card-carrying member of the PGA, the Prayer Giants Association. Others of us feel like we're members of the PWA. The Prayer Wimps Anonymous, IR1. Now, it's not that we don't pray, is it? We all pray some on tear-stained pillows. Most of us pray at meals. 
Most of us pray on the side of hospital beds in places of worship like we've been doing this morning. We all pray some, but I think all of us would like to pray more, better, deeper, with more conviction, more consequence, more fire, more faith. But there's a couple of problems. The first is life. The problem of bills that have to be paid, the problem of diapers that have to be changed, the problem of deadlines that have to be met. We'd all like to pray more. When our calendars like Bethlehem at Christmas, there's no room in the end. And so, yes, we'd like to pray more, but why? Why does God want to hear from me? Honestly, I can't get the plumber to return my phone calls. Why would God? I can't get the preacher to make time for me. Why would God? And what would it matter, anyways? See, God and I have history. I asked for healing, and healing didn't come. I asked for restoration, and I still ended up in divorce court. I asked for wisdom, and I still feel confused. Church, isn't the unspoken hesitation about prayer for all of us is that we feel like God's been, at times, the ultimate heartbreaker? And I don't want to get jilted again. Prayer's a challenge. It's a challenge for me. And if you believe that, and it's the same for you, please know you're not alone. As a matter of fact, you're in some pretty famous company. In fact, the original sign-up list for Prayer 101 is in Jesus' day, and it included some pretty popular names. John, Peter, Andrew, James, all of them apostles. All of them have a part in us literally sitting in this building today. And so when one of the disciples went up to Jesus for some help with them prayer... They all said, no, we all need some help with prayer. As a matter of fact, they said this, Lord, please teach us to pray. Interesting. They never asked, Lord, would you teach us to walk on water? They never said, Lord, would you teach us to cast out demons? They never said, Lord, would you teach us to teach and to preach in a spellbinding way that you do? No, this is the only tutorial the disciples ever requested. Lord, would you please teach us to pray. Why? I think because he made some pretty big promises in prayer. One of them is in John chapter 15. Jesus says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and they're thrown into the fire and burned. But if you Remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. If there's ever a place I personally point people to when it comes to prayer, it's this section in John. Not just because they're Jesus' words about it, because I think it clearly shows us both God's intent about prayer and our involvement with it. First, God's intent. His prayer is the means of communication between us and his kids, who all are involved in the family business, the family mission, seeking out and restoring those who are far from God, those who are lost, those who aren't in the family but could be, or how we say it around here, those who are leading ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus. 
Prayer isn't how God cuts a deal with a human. In prayer, God's offering us the opportunity to be his child first and foremost. Not a customer. To be in a relationship with him. To be family with him. To accomplish a mission for him. That's why I love John chapter 15. Because it shows this relationship that's between this vine and these branches. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But you've all seen a tree that's got a, a trunk and its branches. Or you've seen uh, the wine vine that's got its branches. Well, between that vine and that fruit are those branches. There's this relationship that has to exist then for the trunk to be able to, to have that fruit. And in this branch between, God says, I want you to talk to me. I want you to be connected with me. I just want you to, to come whenever you need something from me. So if you've prayed and you've been let down and request hasn't been honored either in your time frame or in the substance that you wanted, could I, could I share the words from Rick Ashley that have just stayed with me for so long? Prayer's not some fulcrum to try to pry out of God what I want. It is a funnel to position myself in a place where God can do what he wants. I think that's John 15 in a nutshell. This, this, this vine wants to produce something and it needs some branches to produce that fruit, and so he needs you in this process. He purposely created you for it. And a key part of that is prayer. So if there's one takeaway from prayer that I think is going to enable us to launch into 2019, being a more praying people, deeper and wider and more effective, is that we remember the, the who that we're talking to. That is our Father. Can we in 2019 keep before us that we have a Father that we're praying to? Now, I know for some of us who've had crummy, crummy earthly fathers, that's tough. Because your father was weak and worse, maybe even abusive. But this is the Father of fathers. This is the one for whom the word Father has its most fullest meaning. And he says, regardless of the, the inadequacies of our earthly fathers, I still want you to call me, as we're going to hear in a few moments, Dad. That's how close I want this relationship to be between the vine and the branches and the fruit, this process of restoring and renewing the world back to myself. Those of you who are parents, we understand this. We love it when our kids come to us and, and refer to us for that relationship that we actually have. Mom, Dad. Well, most days we, we like it when they say that. Especially when it's more than just, can I have? Will you get for me? When they treat us like some candy machine, when they treat us like some bank, when they treat us like any kind of a service, rather than a parent, rather than someone that loves them and, and they love, it's difficult. And when my girls did that, i got to be honest with you, it was difficult. I hated to feel like the bank. I hated to feel like the candy store. I hated to feel like that I was just this service for them. And even when Gail and I were trying to ferret all that out and figure it all out, we knew we were not under any obligation to do whatever our kids asked, but we were under obligation to do what was best for them. Can I say that again? As a parent, having raised two girls... We were never under obligation to do whatever they asked. But we were always under the obligation to do what was best. And there's no parent in the world who does that better than God. We struggle with resources. We struggle with the lack of wisdom. We struggle with a proper motive even at times. God doesn't struggle with any of that. 
He has unlimited resources. He has unlimited wisdom. And his motive is always pure when you come into his presence. And so if we would try to do our best when requests were made of us, you know God's going to always do his best when you make requests of him. And of all the principles that I'm going to point you to, again, I'm going to say this. Remember, in 2019, you've got a father who can't wait to hear from you. Those two words, our father, let me break them down real quick. Our meaning, you're not an only child. <laughs> all right? Nobody here is an only child. So even when we go to pray, God's saying, remember, you're a part of a family. And remember, you're not alone. I know some of you have gone through some stuff already fresh into 2019 and already you're feeling like you're over here in the corner somewhere and no one's paying attention, no one's seeing, no one notices. Well, listen to me. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they notice. Minimally, you have that family. Now, if you want to privilege us and welcome us into that with you, we'd be glad to. That's why we have that time at the end of our service, every single service, to say, is there anything we can help with to take to our who? Father, our Father. If you're not having a good week, I'm not having a good week. Let's figure this thing out together as much as we possibly can. He's not just our, though, he's Father. Jesus came into the world and taught the world that the Creator could be approached as family. Not just deity, family. He's the one who taught us the word Abba. And that's exactly the word that's used here. It's that Aramaic word, that monosyllabic word that a lot of us grew up using. Dada, daddy. That's how close he wanted to remind us when he taught the disciples in his little tutorial about prayer. Here's how you just start. With a father who can't wait to hear from his kids. Now I know you're going to come across articles possibly this year. They talk about prayer using phrases, specific phrases you've got to use or, or specific verses you have to pray or being sure that you do it from this angle or that formula. And I just always want to caution you. When someone seems to make prayer something that you have to have a license for or a degree for, Jesus said, guys, listen up, just start this way. Our Father. That's how you start. And if you break down the Lord's Prayer... It's just so simple. It's just so straightforward. Because prayer is not complicated. But it certainly is difficult to get to. Because there is a being in this world who doesn't dare want you talking to him. And so he will crowd your life. And he will discourage your life. And he will busy your life to make you think you don't have time to talk to dad. And that he really didn't want to hear anyways. Because what's it going to matter? This father does. Your heavenly father wants to hear from you. And it does matter. And he is not just encouraging you. He actually, in several different places, commands you. Talk to me. Like a parent would say that. Come on, talk to me. Don't leave me out of this. Some of us live like we're practical atheists so much of the time. I can do this myself. That was one of the things my kids grew up saying in front of this daddy. And we say it in front of that daddy all the time. I can handle this, Lord. Nah, nah, I got it. I thought it was what we were doing for our family business is what this, this is all about. And it is. Jesus knows what we need before we ask him. 
So I'm not bringing him some information he doesn't know about already or a need that he doesn't know about already, a need that he, he may be quick to want to act on right now. But he is after my heart. He's after my trust. He's after a relationship, listen to me, not ritual. Never ritual. <laughs> Can you imagine in your own family, your kids having rituals for you? Really? God didn't want them either. So let me end it this way. I had, I had to smile when Hal Rideout came up to me at the Dietert Center. It was about six months ago. Uh, we were taking some dance lessons. Gail and I love to dance. We've told you that on several different occasions. And we were taking some dance lessons. And a few other of our member church members were here. But I didn't get permission to, to mention their names, so I won't. Hal came up to me, who is um, an employee for... Um, James Avery, he's on the board for Habitat Humanity. I, didn't know him. I knew he worked for James Avery. I didn't know he was on the board for Habitat until he came up to me that evening after classes, and he said, do you think it would be possible for Impact and the Kerrville Church of Christ to build a house together? I said, I don't know. I said, every week we've been praying for um, God to bring churches together in an in a oneness that we haven't experienced in our life before. I said, I don't know. That's a pretty big, pretty outrageous, I don't know. I said, let me talk to our elders. Let me talk to um, our father about that. And so we did. Several months worth. I don't know how to dance this dance very well, but I sure want to learn. I don't know if that's an amen from God or, <laughs> or a woe from God. <laughs> Had a good beat. Is that an alarm or is that a phone? It, oh, it's stop. I'm supposed to stop preaching then. It didn't, didn't get an amen. <laughs> this isn't a dance that I know very well. I've done it a couple of times. Always awkward. Always unsure. Never been disappointed. Never been discouraged. I think this is high on God's list of, I'd love to see the family business move into this area of finding ways we can actually dance together. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning just with a simple request. Would you remind us? Would you nudge us? Would you prod us? However you do that, we need your help. We're just confessing that. A lot of us in this room are prayer wimps, and we want to grow into prayer warriors. Thank you so very much for your patience with us. Forgive us when we go about this business in this world as if it's our business and not yours. You've offered us an opportunity to be able to partner with another group of believers, another congregation, another faith family who's trying to be Jesus in the world and who would like to come alongside us and to do something that will change someone's life forever, at least in this place. And that is to help elim eliminate some of the homelessness that's here in our very own community. 
And it's a dance we've never danced before. We don't know the steps too very well, and neither do they. And so before we even get started, we're asking, would you please be the instructor? Would you please be the leader in our lives? But Father, there's some folks you brought here today. The only home you're concerned about with them is their heart. And if they've taken a few steps into 2019, and they've been thinking about making a relationship with you something that's permanent, not just a thought in their mind, but, but something that's permanent, would you nudge them even now as we speak through the power of your Spirit to respond and to have their sins washed away in the name of Jesus, be raised in the name of Jesus to walk in a brand new life, have a brand new start to this new year with a brand new family to their left and to their right to help them walk through it. And Father, if you've brought some people here today, my brothers and sisters, and they have been carrying around some burdens you never intended for them to carry alone, would you nudge them to find one of our shepherds to find me, to pray about this burden together, to take it before your presence, knowing you're delighted in our coming, knowing that you're ready to move and act, to grow us, mature us, empower us, and strengthen us. Forgive us, Father, for pushing prayer to the side. Enable us, Father, to bring it to the, to the forefront of our lives as a church individually and also as a church collectively in this community. And we ask it all and together in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen.